all of us had our lives impacted by the weather in this last week. There was all kinds of things that happened. I don't know about you. I shoveled snow literally every single day this week. And maybe you can relate to that. Because you can't get it all in one day. Well, I'm not sure if you can see this picture, but my cousin took this picture near Eau Claire, Wisconsin, earlier this week. That's a massive snowplow. It's got a humongous metal blade on the front. Have you seen these before? They, they, they're, they're actually quite common these days, out and about. It's got a diesel motor, weighs thousands of pounds. Near as I can tell, that one had a full load of sand in the back. And you know what that snowplow was doing in this picture? It's sitting in a ditch. It's sitting in a ditch. It, all that power and all that metal and all that, that everything that it was designed to do, it's, that snowplow is sitting in a ditch. A little while later, she took another picture. It's not quite as clear, maybe, but those two little dots in the middle of the the picture there, those are two snowplows. One in the ditch and the one, I suppose, trying to help the other one out. And of course, because of the snow blowing around last Sunday, couldn't hardly see either. Now, I was actually driving. I had to go home from church last Sunday and I drove through a road. I literally couldn't see more than like from me to the back wall in front of me. And somehow, that's what happened. And in a storm like that, we're reminded, even big, humongous Snowplow trucks with design to handle anything on roads that cannot handle what goes on. And I, I, I think I could have ended up in the ditch too because on the road I was on, you could see so sh- short in front of you, it'd be really easy to steer slightly off course and then you'd be in the ditch and then that'd be it. Well, there's a picture I also found this week I thought was really interesting. That's a little twiggy plant. That's a little, and and maybe you've seen something like this, a little, little branch on a little, little thing with little leaves, and snowflakes came down, and you know what that little plant did? It just stood there. It didn't collapse. It just stood there. And I, okay, so this is just, I don't know, maybe I'm weird, but I, I am weird, but um, the, snowplow with thousands of pounds of steel and everything gets stuck in a ditch and this little plant is standing just firm and it's doing just fine. It's doing what it was designed to do. And I can tell you, you may not, you, this is something you can trust in. Underneath all that snow out there are little twiggy plants There's little bits of grass that are all going to pop up at just the right time. They don't want to come up today, so they're not going to. They shouldn't come up today. They will come up at just the right time and do exactly what they were designed to do because they know they they were designed for a certain purpose. They were designed to do a certain thing, and they will do what they were designed to do. They're not going to force something to be different than what it is. And it's not that big of a leap. I don't think it's that big of a leap for any of us to say when we are living and we are being and we're 
understanding who we are in Christ, in who we are in God, we might flourish. We might even be able to stand in a snowstorm and handle it. But if our view of God, if we are not broken before God, if our view of God is incorrect in some way, we could be like a a massive snowplow with all these capabilities, super strong steel, diesel motor, everything you can think of, and we can end up in a ditch. Today's message is about having the right perspective of who God is, who we are in God. And my hope is that by the time you're done here, maybe, maybe if our view of God is just a little bit skewed, it might be a little bit closer to be on track. So who is God and who are we? That'd be a really good thing to know. And a lot of us, especially those of us that have been around the church for a while, might say, I, Pastor Joe, I know this. And maybe, maybe we all know this. But I think we can all relate to sometimes we have gotten ourselves a little bit off track. This morning, if you'd like to follow along, we'll be in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, we'll seek to go through the entire chapter. And it's one of the most famous miracles in the entire Bible. This is where Moses parts the Red Sea. This is a big deal. This is a real big deal. This is, they make movies about this stuff. All right, so this is, this is what's going on here. Uh, if you have a, a phone or a tablet this morning with the YouVersion Bible app, you can actually open up to this morning's service on your phone or tablet. And so you can track and follow along with what we're doing there as well. So Exodus chapter 14. And why don't you, if, if you're just with me here, why don't we, let's go ahead and read this chapter. And one of the things I'd like to, I would encourage you to look for is all the times that it says see or look, to see or to look, to see or to look. So just look as we're tracking through this, maybe you'll see something for you. Exodus chapter 14, starting with verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-ha-heroth, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have, lost the, we have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of his best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he had pursued the Israelites, who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they encamped by, by the sea near Pi-Hahithroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, 
Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through the Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so that neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of the chariots come off, so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him. And in Moses, his servant. May God honor his word today. Life throws at us events, storms. He throws at us events and things that keep us from maybe seeing what God wants us to see. Maybe we're overwhelmed and the impossible is on us. We've probably never been chased by chariots in the desert, but we've been, we've been overwhelmed by life. On Friday, there's a person from our church that's in the hospital right now. They don't know how to treat him. I was in the room when the doctor came in. And how long have people had bodies? As long as we've been in existence. We've had people studying medicine and doctoring and all the things that are out there. 
And I can tell you right now, there's, can, there's, a, there's a man in the hospital right now that they, right down the road here, they don't know how to treat what he's going through. They'll treat his symptoms, his pain. They'll give him medicine to take away his pain. And they actually, the main decisions they were making when I was there was, oh, if we can get him to take an oral medication and keep that down, that'll make the pain go down. And I'm stand, standing over there. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I don't have any of that background. But I can tell you, taking away the pain doesn't mean he's better, right? And yet, how many times when we think about our medical situation, probably everyone in the room today knows someone that's got a medical situation that the doctors don't know exactly what's going on. Or if they do know what's going on, they can't do anything about it. These are the situations that we can find ourselves in and medical is maybe an obvious one, but there's many others. There's our, our children. I, I want what's best for my kids, and I still want to raise them right, but I, I wonder about how that's going to work out. I think about our church. I would love for Bethany to be an effective church to bring the gospel into our community. But how many things are working against that happening? Do people even want to go to church anymore? How is this going to even happen? We, we can't even get to church if there's a blizzard. So what are, we, what are we to do? So there's a challenge. And if we're not in one right now, we know it's coming. Where it might even be impossible. Greater than any one of us might know how to handle. Exodus 14 is the story maybe more than any in the entire Bible, of what to do when the impossible comes your way. Today's sermon is called Stronger Than a, Than a Snowplow, and it connects us to our great God, greater than anything that might happen in this world. Exodus is the story of God moving his people to the promised land. This chapter, this particular chapter in Exodus, is one of the steps in the process. And it's helping the people of Israel understand that trusting in Him would be the only way for them to get to where He needs them to be. Not just out of Egypt, but in their hearts. God's goal was never just to get them delivered from Egypt. It was always and it's still true today. His goal is always to draw us into a deeper and richer and more full relationship with Him. But when we're facing the impossible, questions happen, don't they? If we're honest. Have you ever been honest enough with yourself in your situations? Does God know what's going on here? Does God, does God even care? I think God loves other people more than he loves me because I can see they're doing okay, but I am not. Really, the difference between where we are and where we might be is where our understanding of God is. Who is God to us what does he mean to us? Do we know the Lord? 
do we know the Lord? Do we understand really who He is? We'll, we'll take three different truths to look at to help us understand a little bit, a little bit better who God is and maybe how our perspective might change. Three different truths for helping us know who God is. The first truth is we could look around. Exodus 14, 1 through 4, describes all the things that God is doing. And I'd like to just read for you 14, verse 4. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all of his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. In Exodus 1 through 4, God is giving some directions. If you look at it, look at all the, the things that God says he's going to do. He wants them to camp there. And then he says, Pharaoh will. I'm going to, he's going to have a hardened heart because I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. I will gain glory. I am the Lord. I will do this. You shall. He, very directive. Very much saying, I am in charge. God is in charge of this situation. When we face the biggest challenges, when things are going wrong, the typical response in relation to our relationship with God, our typical thought process might be either God doesn't know or he doesn't care or he's powerless. And God is setting up this situation. He is pulling all these different elements. He's bringing Israel. I want you to park yourself right by the sea with desert all around you so you can't go anywhere. I'm going to bring Pharaoh's army and they're going to be ticked off. They just walked away with all the treasure. We know from earlier chapters, they walked away with many of the treasures of Egypt. They gave that to them. They were their slave labor. And so Pharaoh and his army are angry. Do you remember what happened at the Passover? What happened at the Passover? All the firstborn children of Egypt died in that, in that story. What kind of thought process might be going through Pharaoh and his army at this time? Maybe it's time for some revenge. Some real anger is coming out. And Israel, little Israel, is trapped. They're powerless. Can I remind you of some things? Nothing can separate God's people from his plan. Do you remember what Romans chapter 8 says? Can I read that for you just now? This is, this is a very familiar verse. I'm not, I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm just trying to remind us this is what is in God's word. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against the It is justified. Who is Christ Jesus? Who is raised 
also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sleep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am not saying to you right now to, to ignore what is going on around us, but when I read this passage, God knew exactly where he was leading the people of Israel. It did not catch him by surprise. Our situations do not capture Jesus by surprise. Do not capture God by surprise. And his love goes into all those situations as well. He's watching. He's listening. He is aware. So who is God to us? Who is is God to us? probably would be good every once in a while to write out and think through who is God. Remind ourselves, what is this about? Can I just say, we, we put a lot of time and effort and energy into remembering other things. I, the other day I was riding in the car with my son and his friend, and there's this app called Snapchat. Have you heard of this app, Snapchat. Is this thing you, you do. And so what you do is you go on your phone and you take pictures of things and you send it to your friend. And then they send it back to you. Well, back in November, this friend of my son's had, he was low on the Snapchat. He'd only send out a thousand um, Snapchats to this point. But life had changed. He'd gotten much more efficient with his Snapchatting and he was telling me on Wednesday, I think this is true, I didn't check his phone, but he said he sent out 70,000 Snapchats since then. He said he averages over 1,000 a day. And I think he's telling me the truth. I mean, I have no reason to doubt him. I think he's telling me the truth. So he is putting <laughs> a lot of time and effort and energy into understanding Snapchat. Connecting with this social media. And I, I think all of us in this room would probably say, that's no good. That's a bad idea. Before we get too hard on this young man, though, what have we been putting our time into? What have we reminded ourselves of? What are the voices we're listening to? What are, we, are we looking into God's word? Are, are we inviting God's word into us daily? Are we asking God, speak to me, Lord. I need to hear, I need to hear you more. I need to see you in everything around me more than anything. I can't let the news direct me, Lord. That that stuff, I I don't know. But God, you're in charge of it. God, I I can't let you, okay, my job situation, I'm thinking about my job all the time. If we're thinking about our job more than God, I don't know if that's a good thing. If we're thinking about our Family, more than God, I don't know if that's a good thing. Does God and his word is what he's telling us, is that more important than anything on this planet? So I could probably talk to Jeff and say, I don't think you should be sending a thousand Snapchats a day. That's a bad idea. 
But I think someone could talk to me and say, Joe, I don't know if you should be doing what you're doing all day. And I wonder if any of us, if we were really careful, it, before we start pointing fingers about everybody else, where are we at? Does God, are we looking around and are we looking at the right things? Next thing is to look up. And this is, I'm just telling you right now, this is the passage. This is, like if, if you're in the impossible situation, this verse we're going to look at right now is the verse we must remember. We must remember this verse. This is Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. So this, this is your impossible verse. Underline it. If you have a Bible, you can underline it. If you have a smartphone, high, um, yeah, just highlight it. This is Exodus chapter 14. This is right after all the people of Israel had said, It's impossible. They got chariots. They have a big diesel motor with a big blade on the front. It can do anything. We're a little plant. We can't do it. And Moses goes, Hang on. I want to give you some insight here. Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. People realize the predicament they're in. They're caught. They're trapped. They're not going to run, outrun the 600 fastest chariots. They have thousands, probably, of these chariots. They have no army. The desert blocks their way on the side. The Red Sea is in front of them. There is no escape. What will deliver us? I have a natural determination about myself. Like, I'm not, maybe it's hard-headedness, stubbornness, or whatever. I will keep trying something. And this determination has served me well in many places. I will find a way or make a way. I will be successful. That's my thought process I have going on. And yet there's times and places where the impossible is going on. And determination is certainly an admirable attribute. And many people miss out because they quit maybe just a little too soon. But ultimately, impossible happens. And true deliverance from impossible comes from God alone. If I were to strip this down, if we were to really drill down in this moment... Where does salvation come from for his people? It comes from God alone. True hope, true life, a right relationship, it's, it's, it's going to come from God alone. Nothing we can do will deliver us. But if I were to if outline it, just try to make it like in an, an equation form, just a really simple, and this might help you think through where am I at in my impossible situation? This is what I'm having the sticky point in my life. So Moses says what in Exodus chapter 14? He says, fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord. 
Again, verse 13 in Exodus 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. He's telling them, guys, I know you're freaking out. Do not be afraid. You're, you're looking at yourself. You're not looking at God. Your picture of God is probably a little too small. Fear not. Stand firm. Stand firm. What do we believe? We say, we've read these verses, like we read that verse in Romans. Do we believe these things? When death, when it's scary, when it's overwhelming, do we believe these things? The stand firm thing. Let's do that. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. We will see that deliverance. Now, can, can we be clear that timing of it is off? I don't know about you, I would love to have that Red Sea experience, and right when I needed it, God came through. And what I've seen, at least, is this is the story that's gone on in my life. I know in the past God has given me deliverance, and I know somewhere in the future I'll be in heaven and I'll be okay then. But right now, I've got my situation, and now I'm in this problem. See the deliverance of the Lord. When will that deliverance? I wish I could tell you when the timing of this is. If you were to go to the people of Israel in that moment, imagine, we know how the story ends, right? But imagine, you're not at the end yet. You haven't written the book yet. You haven't read all of Exodus. You're just there. The Red Sea is right in front of us. There's mountains and desert all around, and I got the angriest army that we just completely ticked off from Egypt coming after us. What would you say to those people at that time? Can you understand that maybe where, where they would have been? And I think a lot of us can relate because we've been in that same kind of spot. The last thing it says there in Exodus chapter 14 well, the, the Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I wonder how many times we're missing out on who God is and what he's been doing. What is he trying to do? He's saying, be still. A verse, I'm not going to open it today, but I would encourage you to look at it. If, part of the, if you look at this equation and you're like that whole be still thing, I, Pastor Joe, I'm never still. I'm always either my, my, either my body or my brain is always moving. Be still. How does that even happen? Psalm 46 is, a, is an amazing passage about how he tells us and speaks into the hearts of his people, those that are trying to listen, to be still. So the, the 3.5, these are the three and a half Deliverance equations you may have. Fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, and be still. The last thing that we can do to put God in his right perspective is to look inside, looking inside our hearts. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the, the Egyptians. So, okay, moving forward, so the, we know how the story goes, right? Moses points his staff, water split, people walk through, they're completely safe. The army of the Pharaoh comes through, washes everything out. Awesome. This is why they made the movie about it. It's so cool. 
What are the people thinking? This is at the end of the story. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. What's crazy about this story is we, maybe we, we look at the Israelites and all that, but we look at Pharaoh. Let's just look at Pharaoh for just a moment. How many things happened to Pharaoh? All those plagues, people speaking him directly. He had a hardened heart and it didn't work out, but finally he let them go. Tragedy, difficulties, all those things that go wrong are these, these things, these circumstances, these tragic events can sometimes change our practices, but do our hearts change? When we face the challenges, when we face the difficulties, do our hearts actually change? Not just our, our practice, like, oh, I'm no longer going to, that hurts, or that was too expensive, or that cost me a lot. I'm not going to do that anymore. Are we actually putting God in his proper place in our hearts? Pharaoh never figured it out. He died. But what did the Israelites do? They feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. God didn't forget his people. He was with them all along. A Christian, and I've seen this happen, and I've had friends dealing with, like, say, eating disorders. That's tough. And maybe you know someone that's dealt with that. Many of the people I've met and dealt with with eating disorders, they feel like, I've done something so bad, this is the only thing that can help me overcome it. It's, it's, it's really, and I, I'm not a, a professional counselor, I just know that, man, it's, I've seen this happen where people get hung up on those things. Maybe addictions. Um, it breaks people. And people sometimes say in these worst of moments, they say, I've done something so bad, God can no longer save me, or God can no longer listen to me, or God doesn't hear my prayers anymore. I've gone too far. I am the worst. But if you think about it, when you look at God and his interactions with Israel, if you look at God and his interactions with Israel, why did God save Israel? Why did he redeem them? Because there be a great, it'd be a great, powerful nation. Because of how holy they were, they were more holy than everybody else. No, why did God? Why did God save the people of Israel? Because He wanted to. He want. He 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 loved them, for His own sake, for His glory. Why does God save us today? Because we're so righteous. Because, because, wait a minute, if, if God would just save Joe Carlson, then this world would change. That's the one person holding this thing back. No, it doesn't work that way, right? Why does God save anyone? Why does God work through his situations? Because for his glory, because he loves his people, those are all the things that happen. So a week ago, I went to this conference and one of the things I, I did at this conference, I learned how to try to speak better and share better. And I, I remember getting done with the conference thinking, 
this is the best. Because whenever you prepare a message and you want to share it, you always have all these, it's going to be this and that. And then, at least for me, my week always goes like this. On Monday, if I'm supposed to speak, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know what to I don't know what to say. I'm reading this and reading it. I'm reading this passage like five, six. I read it in seven different translations. I'm trying to, and nothing's coming. And nothing's there. And then by about Wednesday, it's like, oh, that's it. That's it. And then about Thursday, I'm like, this is terrible. This is terrible. This is, this is nothing. God, you're going to have to give me something. I got nothing. Then Friday, it's like, this is going to be, this is just going to, people are going to walk out. This is going to be bad. And then Saturday, it's like, oh, it's, and then maybe Sunday or something will happen, all right? So it's, it, every time, every time I try to talk. Well, I went to this conference, and it was like really good stuff. It showed me like how to prepare and how to think and prepare your thoughts, and it made so much sense. And last week, it, the words just kind of came together. I thought, well, this is great. Never going to have to worry about that anymore. Four days later, I started trying to write out what I was going to say this week, and I'm like, oh, dang it. This is the biggest miracle in the Bible. Somebody should be able to say something about this. Four days later, I'm like, why am I? And I, I don't think my experience is unique. Now, maybe we don't all speak, but has it ever happened to you where an amazing thing happened? God came through. God delivered. It's like, Amen. God did that. Praise God. And I will never, ever be the same. Has that ever happened to you? And then what happens? The next thing. There's the very next chapter of Exodus. Exodus chapter 15. There's this song. And then it closes with this. Can you read this with me? Then Moses and Israel... Uh, led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days, for three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Okay. They have this cloud of fire and cloud. They just walked through the Red Sea. The Egyptian army was wiped out. We will fear the Lord and we will follow Moses forever. Or three days later, whichever is sooner. Our human nature, we're not that different from the Israelites. My question at the beginning, okay, snow plows and this little twiggy plant. Are we trusting in ourselves? How strong are we? Are we trusting in a great and mighty God? Are we living and trying to live under his rule? Are we trying to live under who he is, who he's crafted us to be? Are we ourselves? Where are we? My question for us is, am I broken before God? Is he the only thing that I'm truly relying in? If you were to put on your paper right now, this are the three biggest things that I've going on in my life right now. The three most impossible things. Have I turned those three things over to God? Is he more in charge of those than I am? I think the closer we get to turning those things over to him, and the more likely we get into that, the more likely it is we're going to start seeing God 
work in the remarkable and the amazing ways that he always wanted us to do. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for the story from Exodus chapter 14, how you speak into the lives of your people. You desire for us to have a right relationship with you. And Lord, you're not caught unawares. You're not unaware of what goes on. You're completely in tune with what we face. Lord, I pray that you would use the circumstances in our life for your glory, not ours, and not work them out just for the way that we want, but instead work things out so that people would all look at our life, we would look at our life and say, God, you are the one that did this. We give you the honor and the glory for this morning and for what you are doing. Remind us to trust and hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen.